Welcome back to GC8. I'm Eric. I'm Rosie. This week we're getting into session three of Cowboy, Cowboy Bebop. Bebop. Sorry. That's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be called Geek Channel 8 for no reason, right? <laughs> I always end up referring to Tuesday night movies with mom because we always go and watch movies with my partner's mom every Tuesday nights and we have his uncles come over and it's always a challenge for my boyfriend to find something that they would like because it can't be too risque. I know this problem. Can't be too offensive, but we had success with me, myself, and Irene. Okay. <laughs> and that was hilarious. I wasn't sure how they were going to take some of the parts in the movie, especially with one sex toy that was a, 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 a that kept showing up throughout the film, but <laughs> they thought it was hilarious. So it was it was awesome. It was a really good time um watching that movie. Okay. And uh, we we had we that was a lot of fun. So that was that was my uh, throwback movie of the week. And uh Jim Carrey still impresses me to this day. He was amazing. And you know, Renee Zellweger didn't get enough credit for all the crap she had to take in that movie, seriously. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember it so well. I haven't seen it since it was in the theater. Uh, okay. I'm not a huge Jim Carrey fan either. I think we've gone over this on the podcast before, how I'm not a big comedy fan, and uh, I'm particularly not a Jim Carrey fan. I like him better in his dramatic roles. Oh, he does an amazing job in his dramatic roles. Yeah. Except the mask. I really dig the mask. Yeah, he was so good in that. I knocked a film off my list that I've been wanting to see since I was a kid. Like, all the other kids saw it when I was a kid. And it's getting toward the Halloween season, so I wanted to watch a horror movie. And this film can only be called a horror movie in the broadest sense. It's not all that scary, but it's kind of considered part of the genre and it's been a staple of the genre for many, many years, sort of a cult popular film. And that's Willard, which is was a film, I think it was a British film, about a kid or young man, actually, who lives with his mom in an old mansion and he makes friends with rats. Oh, wow. <laughs> the rats do his bidding to up to a point. It's very, very tame, and it it was okay. I It's not a must-see by any means. It's kid-safe, probably, <laughs> by today's standards. <laughs> you know, it was on my list. The sequel has been on my list for a long time, which is called Ben, which is the name of the head rat. But I don't know if I'll even bother with that. We'll see. Maybe people could write in and tell me whether or not I'm missing out if I don't watch Ben but let's get into the show today. We were talking about Cowboy Bebop, which ran from 1997 to 1998 and came out in 98 in the United States, I think. So what can you tell us about what was going on in the United States in 1998? It was kind of a tumultuous year. I didn't write this down, but one thing I wanted to mention is there was a lot of violence in Algeria at that time, just like peppered throughout the year. This was the year where the lunar prospector found evidence of frozen water in the soil and the permanent shadows on the moon. That was a huge discovery. Ramsey Youssef was sentenced to life in prison for planning the first World Trade Center bombings. 
keep in mind, this is 1998, just a few short years later, uh, on 9-11-2001, the World Trade Center, you know, was hit. And um, so yeah, somebody really dropped the ball on that. Like they had just sentenced this guy two years earlier and then suddenly, you know, the, uh, we were all blindsided by that. That was just. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. And then people wonder why there's all these conspiracy theories out there. It's like when you look at the timeline, hello. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Also, 19 nations agreed to no human cloning. So that's good. As far as I know, the agreement's still in place. <laughs> um, the uh, the movie, The Titanic, grossed $1 billion that year. And also, um, that was a year of the 70th Academy Awards hosted by Billy Crystal. It was his sixth time in Titanic. Of course, one for Best Picture. This was also the year the euro was established in, in Europe, by the way. May 19th, 80 to 90% of pagers around the world were without service because the Galaxy 5 communication satellite failed. <laughs> so if you had a pager at that time, you had a bad day. Um, <laughs> that was also the year timeanddate.com first appeared. <laughs> this was also the year that Nicholas II of Russia's family was finally laid to rest 80 years after they were massacred by the Bolsheviks. Oh, wild. Where were their bodies all that time? I didn't get a chance to look into that, but they were finally properly laid to rest after, what was it, 80 years? I mean, I just couldn't even imagine. There were U.S. Uh, embassy bombings in Tanzania and Kenya. They were linked to Osama bin Laden, also leading up to 9-11. The first Google Doodle celebrating Burning Man showed up on the interwebs there. And then Whoa. The next, yeah. I did not know the first Google Doodle was Burning Man. Like, yeah. <laughs> Burning Man was already mainstream, I guess, by that time. Wow. All right. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And it was the first Google Doodle. Like, what? Okay. Um, and then the following month, just a few days later, Google Incorporated was founded in Menlo Park, California by Larry Page and Sergey Brin. Also in Saturn News, October 6th was when Matthew Shepard was beaten to death outside of Laramie, Wyoming, which really opened up the conversation in the United States about violence against the LGBTQ community. His name is, is still brought up today. Oh, this was also the year that Mark Hodler, who was a uh, International Olympic Committee official, used bribes to bring the Olympics to Salt Lake City. The space shuttle Endeavor also launched its first U.S. component of an international space station. Hugo Chavez was elected president of Venezuela. And also the first leap second. On December 31st, the first leap second happened since June 30th of 1997. And that's a wrap for the year 1998 around the world. I barely remember that extra second. I barely remember that extra second either. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully it gave me more sleep that day i don't know <laughs> or less i don't know well it was a leap second so it was for an entire year so it, hopefully it gave you one second more sleep for that year <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> so we left off at episode 10 so now we're going to go into episode 11 toys in the attic named after the Aerosmith song, and wasn't it also an album, Toys in the Attic? It was the classic Aerosmith album, Toys in the Attic, yeah. All the titles of episodes in Cowboy Bebop are named after songs or something having to do with music. Okay, so in Toys in the Attic, this blob appears on the Bebop and it bites them. 
one at a time until like most of them are bitten. Definitely Jet and Faye and Ein the dog are all bitten. They have to go track this thing down. What was your reaction to this episode? Well, I I okay, I I like the fact that that the moral of the story at the end of this episode was don't leave stuff in the fridge for a year. <laughs> That like, was the best part what of it. What the like, hell? It was something they left in the fridge that came alive and bit them. <laughs> I think, remember in the animal, uh, the, the episode that was like the animal rights episode? Like, I think there was some kind of weird seafood served at that particular banquet. Mm-hmm. And um, remember, they were trying to get to, to f- you know, rescue that particular animal. But there was another kind of seafood, I think. And I think that is what... Uh, Spike took aboard the the ship and put it in this old fridge and and forgot about it. Oh, I didn't realize that tied that actually tied to a previous episode. <laughs> I don't know for sure. Maybe it did, doesn't. But he mentions what the thing was, and I was like, didn't we hear about that before? That kind of food before? But I don't know. And and then like Edward actually eats it, like at some point the blob, and I'm like, ooh, that's totally gross and white. What? You know, how's yeah. that doesn't seem to work. Seems oh, like I, Edward will eat anything. How they survive, I have no idea. But eventually, like, they managed to get rid of the thing. But this episode was just a weird one. Well, for one thing, it's one of the few episodes where they're not actually going after a bounty. Right. This is true. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. I'm doing another cocktail, and this one is called a cowboy. A cowboy is a very old cocktail. There are references to it in popular culture going way back, much like the last time I think we talked about the hangover cure that goes back to the earliest days of pop culture, the prairie oyster. This one, there are a lot of different recipes for it. It's sometimes called a cowboy. It's sometimes called a cowboy punch. It's sometimes called a cowboy cocktail. It's usually just called a cowboy. According to the bartender's standard manual, it's two jiggers of whiskey, one jigger of cream, and then you shake with shaved ice and strain. But there are a lot of different ways to serve it. I think Jet even gives the recipe as in the subtitled version, they it says bourbon with milk. And in the dubbed version, he says whiskey and cream. So it's translated two different ways, even in the episode. I had it on the rocks the same way Jet has it in this episode, Jupiter Jazz Part One. So I didn't shake and strain. I had it right on the rocks and I did bourbon and skim milk, but you can do whatever you want. This is kind of, in some ways, I think, like the whiskey version of a white Russian, kind of. Kind of sounds like it. It doesn't have the Kahlua, and it's whiskey instead of vodka, but it's uh, 
it's not bad actually i kind of liked it and so that's what i was sipping on while i watched jupiter jazz part one this was the episode that made me feel like Faye was just a jerk <laughs> because she did kind of leave the team high and dry by stealing their antifreeze and emptying the safe. <laughs> but this was also leading up to a very important event in the series. Spike has been on the hunt for Julia and then he finds her and it ends up being quite an interesting exchange because she's with Mr. Sachs. I put a question mark there, like, was he gender fluid? Because it seemed like he kind of was. Well, yeah. As with a lot of anime characters, I feel like there's a lot of gender fluid characters in anime in general. Yeah, I noticed that too. But um, later on, we find actually trans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Getting back to Faye stealing all their money, I totally expected her to do it sooner or later. And it always makes me wonder why they bother keeping her around. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> it's like she can, she's fine on her own. Why does she keep coming back to him? You know, like she's just going to hang out with him and steal from him. Just stay away. <laughs> I really don't get the whole spike vicious story. And this is, let's talk a little bit about Jupiter Jazz part two also, which is the second part of this episode. That opens with a character that's very much like a Native American there's a shooting star and someone asks what is that and he says that's a lost soul who's finished his battle of course it's a crash crashing spaceship it's one of the more beautiful philosophical episodes in the series but that philosophy runs a whole range like at one point one of the characters says nothing matters anything but blue was another great quote from this particular episode but like with all the Spike and Vicious episodes, there's a lot of unanswered questions. Like I get there's this love triangle with Julia and I get they have this past, you know, serving in the military together. And I get that the syndicate's now involved somehow and you can't escape the syndicate. But I don't really get how all these puzzle pieces fit together exactly. It's very ambiguous to me. And it always has been. I've seen this multiple times, including remember the goth episode earlier on where they, uh, the, you know, that deals with their relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Do you have a better handle on their relationship than I do? No, I honestly don't. I mean, I think the love triangle, I'm sure, soured things. I'm sure the syndicate threw a damper on the works, too, you know. But it just seems like there was some bad blood there that the storyline wasn't going to go into. But for whatever reason, it was Spike against Vicious and Spike won. Yeah, well, at one point, it's a three-way battle between Gren and Vicious and Spike. I don't know if this warranted a two-part episode because it feels like even with using two parts, everything's like leaves me with more questions than answers about what was mm -hmm. going on. And maybe that's the point, but... Anyway, let's leave Jupiter Jazz behind and move okay. on. Yes. Next, Bohemian Rhapsody. We all know what that's named after. Yeah, this is the episode where Cowboy Bebop meets the Queen's Gambit. <laughs> it's, the, it's the chess episode. There's a bounty on the head of a guy named Chessmaster Hex. He seems to have little pawns in his scheme to rob gateway toll booths so all the bounty hunters are being sent after this guy but we find out that they're actually going after him because there's a dirty secret behind all of this this leads into 
one of the big mysteries of Cowboy Bebop, which is what happened to the Earth. We talked about this in the episode where Edward first appears. And apparently what we learn here, spoilers, is that the corporation behind the gateways knew that there was a problem, but used the gateway near Earth anyway, causing the mass devastation that decimated the planet. And Chessmaster Hex knows that. And so that's the real reason why they're after him. The thing that was a little mysterious in this one to me is why did the hunter that was after Chessmaster Hex go suddenly crazy? Like he goes berserk, you know, right when he shows up at the end there. I've noticed that in anime, a lot of times characters do just randomly go crazy. And <laughs> there isn't always an explanation for it. And also uh, wanted to point out that Edward, <laughs> during this whole episode, was in a, an intense days-long chess game with the Hexmaster. Yes. That that was interesting, too. And then when it ended, you know, that's when you really saw Edward act like a little kid because the game was over. <laughs> Edward is busy. <laughs> yeah, Edward is busy. <laughs> Talk to the hand. <laughs> <laughs> That was a very relatable moment. I'm busy right now. I'm addicted to this game. I can't stop. That does it for session three, which is episodes 11 through 14. Mm -hmm. Let's go into session four, which starts with episode 15, My Funny Valentine. This is a named after the popular song, My Funny Valentine, which is part of the great American songbook, really. Like, everybody mm-hmm. covered it. it. I think probably Frank Sinatra's version is the most famous. But My Funny Valentine, obviously a reference to Faye Valentine. This episode is all about Faye Valentine. Yeah. It's a flashback to her waking up from cryo sleep, And technology has advanced a lot. And they reveal to her that she's been in cryosleep for 50 years. She was in an accident. And then she's still on the hook for all the medical bills of cryosleep was like experimental and super like expensive. So like there's still no Medicare for all in the way in the future. Like, And so she's like completely in debt because she has 50 years of the medical bill for all this. And then if that wasn't bad enough, there's a confidence man named Whitney Haggis Matsumoto, who she falls for, and then he fakes his death and leaves her with all his debt. And so we learn why Faye has all this debt that she needs to pay off. But the thing I remember best about this episode is she tries to explain to them when she gets back to the ship what happened. And one of them, I think, like, Spike is like, is it just me or did that not make any sense? And I was, like, thinking exactly the same thing, like, <laughs> during the whole, when she said it, I'm like, what? Yeah. I've noticed that sometimes when interesting situations pop up in some anime shows, they just kind of freeze over it. But she was actually like, wait a minute, this isn't fair. You guys put me in cryo sleep and then you woke me up and now you're telling me I owe you for it? How is that even fair to put me into this debt that I didn't ask for? And then they still couldn't find out why she was put into cryosleep in the first place, which I did the math and that was in 2014. She went into cryosleep in 2014. Yeah. First they said it was an accident, but then at the end, this is the part that was confusing. They didn't really know. So they just kind of fed her a story to shut her up, but they didn't really know. They just made something up. Right. 
the whole journey throughout this episode, she was like, I just want to find out who I am. I just want to find out what happened to me, why I was put into the sleep, why I was woken up and never got ended up getting any answers. She just found out that she gained more debt when she didn't have to because that guy faked his death. So so almost all of the episodes end with the words, see you, cowboy, mm-hmm. at the end. This one does not. It ends with the words, sleeping beast. I'm not sure why. Now, mm-hmm. Ayn is sleeping, and obviously, Faye was asleep for 50 years. So mm-hmm. what do you think sleeping beast means? Maybe she's actually a sleeping beast rather than a sleeping beauty. Yeah. It's possible. He does you know call I mean? her Sleeping Beauty. He throughout the episode, um, Whitney calls her a Sleeping Beauty. So yeah, maybe she was actually a Sleeping Beast, mm-hmm. and has been reawakened. Okay, moving on. Episode sixteen: Black Dog Serenade. It gets its title from. Oh, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, the Led Zeppelin song "Black Dog." So here we have a prison ship with a takeover by the prisoners. We've seen this a bunch of times. We've seen it in other other series. We uh, saw it in The Mandalorian. <laughs> we, we will see it in The Mandalorian when we cover The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm not sure that they didn't get inspiration from this show. Um, but it's been in other things, too. It's it's the Con Air thing. It's the, oh, you know, yeah. so... Yeah, so it's taken over by the prisoners. And the leader of the prisoners is Udai, which I don't know if that was a reference to Udai Hussein, who was still alive at the time. Remember, he was um, Saddam Hussein's son, who was one of the most wanted in not just the Iraq war that happened, but the Gulf War before it. Mm -hmm. This happened in between the Gulf War and the Iraq War. So maybe that's where they got came up, or maybe they just chose the name Udai. But Udai Taksim is the leader of the prisoners, and he was a hitman that worked for the syndicate. A lot of this episode is very film noir. It's about when Jet was a cop, and he and his buddy were hunting Udai. And we learn that Jet's partner wasn't as clean as we thought he was, and it led to why and how Jet lost his arm. Mm -hmm. It really brought me back to a lot of, like, cop shows. It reminded me a lot of cop shows. You know, just just a good good cop, bad cop. You know, cop had a partner, thought he was a good guy, turned turned out to not be such a good guy, and... Like, I have to throw him under the bus for whatever. Not that this necessarily happened this time, but he did lose an arm in the process. True. I'm a big fan of learning the backstory of a character, especially in a series where the characters just show up. There's a slight introduction, maybe. Not much backstory, and you kind of have to figure out the backstory as you go along. And that's one thing I've liked a lot about the Cowboy Bebop series, is it'll have an episode and then visit the backstory, still relevant today. Yep. So it all kind of goes in together. And and so I I really liked this episode. I liked learning about him. 
Before we get started on the episode 17, I wanted to hit the lobby because we have been drinking a lot of alcohol on the show. And I wanted to get back to some recipes for food because we're turning into alcoholics here. You got to soak up some of that alcohol so you don't wake up with a hangover the next day. Yeah. And this one's a pretty easy one to do. So however you do steaming, I use a bamboo steamer. You can use a double boiler. You can use whatever, you, however you normally do your steaming. You know, you can use the little, the old fashioned like metal baskets that, you know, stick down into the pot like my mom used to use or, you know, however you do your steaming. You need some way to steam stuff. That's what the what I do. And this one, just take a couple of cups of shiitake mushrooms and then you need to pluck off the stems because unlike most mushrooms, the stems are not edible on shiitakes. So you pull off the stems, you put all the caps, mushroom caps, into a big spaghetti colander and rinse it off under the in the sink um, because mushrooms can be kind of gross. Uh, I know that there's this whole school of thought that you don't rinse mushrooms, but considering they grow them on manure, I always rinse my mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So, and then you let, while that's drip drying in the sink, then you start, you got the bo water boiling and, or sorry, not the water. You can use water, but I use two cups of cooking sherry put two cups of cooking sherry mm. in the pot and, and let that boil. Cause that'll like get the nice, so <laughs> we're still alcoholics. So that'll get the nice <laughs> flavor. Actually, there's no, al like the alcohol <laughs> gets burned off, but you get the nice flavor of the sherry in the mushrooms. You put the mushrooms in the bamboo steamer and then you just let it um, steam for 10 minutes. And then you got these great mushrooms and then you can do whatever you want with them. You, I like to do a little cut up, um, green onion on top, or you can do some butter and salt and pepper, whatever. And they're just delicious. Anyway, super easy to do. It, it only takes, you know, 10 minutes, you know, or less. Okay. okay. It, de it, it depends on how many mushrooms you stick in there. If you do like one cup, you could probably do it in five minutes. You know, if, if you do it, you know, if you got more, it might take 10, 12 minutes, but that's it. So this next episode, episode 17, it's called Mushroom Samba. Okay. I don't know if this is a reference to any song um, except a samba, um, which there is no samba played in this episode. So whatever. Um, yeah. Basically, they're out of food and they eat magic mushrooms instead you know <laughs> and and this episode's got like a bunch of interesting things in it for one thing there's a lot of references to black exploitation films so there's mm -hmm. a guy and uh, and spaghetti westerns there's a guy dragging a coffin which is <laughs> to i think a reference this was my favorite scene in the whole episode okay well the, the you <laughs> You go ahead and tell it. Okay. Well, no, I, I want you to lead up to it because I can't remember why. Oh, yeah. He was carrying a coffin around so, for when he killed this one person that he was going after. And that way you could put him straight in the coffin and put him in the ground. <laughs> yeah. That was the mushroom salesman who sold him bad mushrooms. Which but I, I did make a note. He's the youngest Shaft brother. Shaft, can you dig it? Okay. <laughs> I can dig it. But yeah, Shaft. So they mentioned Shaft. So that's one reference to black exploitation films. And the also there's a black woman 
big busty black woman with a fro who mm-hmm. I learned from listening to this the audio commentary was based on Pam Greer. Oh, totally. Now, apparently at the time they did this, it was before the movie Jackie Brown came out. So he said nobody knew who she was, you know, and then Jackie Brown came out, which is the um, Tarantino film that mm-hmm. cast her in the lead role, a reference to her old film, Foxy Brown. And suddenly everybody knew who she was. But anyway, so there's t- at least a couple of black exploitation references. And I think the Dragon Coffin is a reference to Django, uh, not Django Unchained, the Tarantino film, but the original spaghetti Western Django, where it opens with him dragging a coffin. <laughs> and then, but I, I don't think in that movie they had like a, a vehicle drive by and like just completely busted out. <laughs> yeah. So imagine how long he had been dragging that coffin around and then it just gets run over. <laughs> so this whole episode, it's a throwback to something that I love. So there was this trend in the late 80s and 90s where series would have an episode where everybody's tripping. And yeah. like, <laughs> like it's not wasn't always mushrooms, but something. Like there was a show I used to like, Sledgehammer, and like it was kind of a, a takeoff on Assault on Precinct. 13 and they they end up gassing the building and the he he's so high he's like talking to his gun and his gun is talking back to him <laughs> another was like the the show um i remember the adventures of pete and pete where mm-hmm. like they decide to stay awake for 11 days and then they start hallucinating and stuff <laughs> it's like so it's not always mushrooms but there's always got to be an episode where everybody's on drugs you yeah. know <laughs> i think they did it in how i met your mother and there've been some yeah. other shows that have done it you know so it I, even on even in even on i remember an episode of Roseanne from back in the day and i want to say this was like in the first or second season where they found an old joint <laughs> that they had stashed away and they went and got high. <laughs> yeah. So my favorite, I love it when they did, when there's an episode and in fact, Firefly did it too. I think with Jane <laughs> yeah. um, in one episode and uh, like, I love it when there's an episode where everybody's high. And according to the second commentary track where I heard the writer and director and all that, they were like, that, that was supposed to be the whole episode. It was going to be nothing but them tripping all the way to the end. And then like they would just end the episode, you know, and apparently they were told, no, you can't do that. There needs to be more of a story than them tripping the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Which, Not everybody's going to understand that. You can't do that. Sorry. <laughs> so they, I think they added in the other stuff. Another Led Zeppelin reference, Stairway to Heaven. Spike's on the stairway that goes on forever and ever and ever. And it yeah. turns out he's just stepping up and down the same step. But but like he meets a, a frog on it and talks to the frog. And like supposedly he was supposed to meet other stuff like a snake and a lizard as he kept going, you know. But they That's cut so all that out. And Faye like hallucinates that she's underwater and swimming. I thought when I watched this episode that Ayn and Edward had eaten the mushrooms too, but apparently not. They were no. the only ones that didn't. It, even though it kind of looked like it in the beginning, you realize why, after you watch it, it's like everybody's tripping but them. Well, so, Ayn, Ayn did have one and started bouncing around, remember, a, yeah. in the beginning? And then so like that's what made Edward think that there might they might, might not be safe. So mm-hmm. Edward, you know... 
So kind of a dick move too. We already talked about Faye. Edward was like doing an experiment on the rest of them by putting them out on a plate and like like seeing what happened to each person to see if it was safe to eat. Like she wasn't going to eat them until like everybody else ate them. So she basically (laughs) dosed all the other members of the ship, of the crew. And so her and Ayn were sitting like behind a curtain, like watching like, you know. What happens then, to them? And then they're like, okay, so we're just going to go make money now, and we're going to go get the get the mushroom dealer and get the bounty on the mushroom dealer so we can eat real food again. <laughs> and they ended up with tons of, of mushrooms, like real mushrooms, not psychedelic mushrooms yeah, at, which, at the and, end. And then they were like, you want mushroom casserole? You want mushroom omelets? You want... <laughs> Steamed shiitakes was one of them. So. Yeah. <laughs> And then this one also doesn't end with See You Cowboy. It ends with Life is But a Dream, which, of course, is a famous song. But, yeah, the whole thing was like um, a trip, you know, and they're like, you know, it was even like, oh, is is life itself just one big trip? Anyway. Um, okay. N- moving on. Episode 18 is called Speak Like a Child. And I... I had it took me a long time to place this reference, but there was a song by Style Council called Speak Like a Child, and it wasn't as popular in the US as it was in Japan and the UK. So that's why uh, it, it's a little harder for us to recognize. But yep, 80s uh, synth pop tune. Well, sounds like I'm going to have to go listen to it now. I love that stuff. This is another visit to Faye's past and that it goes even deeper into the past because a beta tape was discovered, which she doesn't even want to watch at first. As much as she wanted to know about her past, she didn't know what was on it. She didn't want to touch it because she thought it was like an explosive or whatever. She disappears, right? And then Jet and Spike go on a mission to find a beta player after Spike broke one going into a vintage shop which even i wanted to smack him for that okay? oh i i already wanted to smack him because when they they originally jet wanted to like you know try to get his money back from the delivery company or whatever but spike opens it and finds it's this tape thing and he doesn't know what it is and he's like opening it and pulling the tape out oh my god i and know i, was like, I know it's like no, no, no. <laughs> stop <laughs> and realistically that would almost certainly destroy the tape but we can only assume they somehow wound it back in, you know? And Yeah, uh, and like later when you saw how destroyed the tape was and then it played back, like really? It, it didn't mess it up? Okay. Well, it might be okay. that it was only that one part was messed up, you know? Yeah. So it's possible. Yeah, but... so it's, it's possible. But yeah, so they were on the hunt for a beta player, which just real quick, my parents were always a step behind in technology. Always, 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 always. Like... We were not rich, and my mom and dad were not the kind of people to go out and buy the latest technology that was out there. Like, we had a beta VCR way longer than anybody else, to the point to where we couldn't even get beta tapes at the at Blockbuster or at the movie place. You know what I mean? Yep. Shout out to Torrance Treasure Chest in Amelia, Ohio, growing up. That's where we rented our movies from, just saying. Um, so <laughs> Wait, can I give a sidebar here? Yeah. I walked into a a place the other day a little like restaurant and like their lobby there was a big blockbuster sign and a blockbuster kiosk and i'm like what the heck is this and they're like oh it's blockbuster they're part of blockbuster (laughs) they were a blockbuster now and i'm like what 
Blockbuster still exists. I thought there was like one left in like Alaska or something. Yeah. Apparently, Blockbuster is back. It has rebranded itself. Like, have you seen all those little free libraries where it's like you get a book, you, you t- take a book, leave a book, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like the penny jar in, in a convenience store? Yeah. Well, apparently, whoever owns the Blockbuster trademark and stuff like that, they charge businesses to put the their name and kiosk in, in there. And so they make a few a couple hundred bucks that way. And then they put out like, I guess it's a way to make use of all this backlog of DVDs. They still have, you know, Mm -hmm. in their holdings and they just put them out and they're free and you can take them. And, you know, they would like you to leave one, you know, take one and leave one or bring it back. And, but there's no, there's no money exchange hands or anything. It's just a free library of DVDs. And that's awesome. Yeah. And so I, apparently Blockbuster still has not died. It's back. Well, and I know that you can get Blockbuster gear, too. Like, you can look online and buy, like, official Blockbuster gear, like sweatshirts and sweatpants and stuff. So, like, you know, you could be all decked out in your Blockbuster gear. If the last you know. is the last blockbuster still open, if it is, we should do a pilgrimage to that sometime and do an episode from there. <laughs> that would be awesome. That'd be awesome. So back to the episode, I had to give a shout out because I mean, first of all, they mentioned the beta tape, which has a special place in my heart because my mom and dad had a beta player, like way after they stopped making beta movies. Like I would go in. I would go into Torn's treasure chest and ask for beta movies. They're like, we just don't have any more. Everybody's moving to VC to VHS. <laughs> so I could really appreciate the hunt for the rare beta player in this episode. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. But you know, they eventually they found one and then they have trouble with it. And then and then one was shipped to them. Right? Towards the end it was shipped to them and then she could see it. But even after she did see the video, she's like, I still don't remember anything. That was the part that kind of broke my heart a little bit. It's like, even after seeing the videos, you know, being cryogenically asleep for 50 years, like the video didn't even jog her memory. That kind of made me sad a little bit. I had forgotten that she actually saw the video. I thought it was just them watching it without her. Mm -hmm. But I think she came into the room while they were watching it. And everybody was watching it, Ed and Ayn and Spike and Jet. And they walks in. It was very touching. She said as a kid, like, oh, I'm t- I love you. I'm you're just the newer version of me. It was just really awesome to see. But it was also, yeah, it was a little um, hard to take. We know she has this past and she was a normal kid once upon a time. And mm-hmm. we still don't know where everything went off the rails for her. I think this whole session three and session four has given us a lot about the backstory because in the first Mm -hmm. two sessions, it was all about the bounties. But this time, particularly with Jupiter Jazz, uh, where we learn a lot about Spike's backstory and Black Dog Serenade, where we learn a lot about Jet's backstory and then My Funny Valentine and Speak Like a Child, we learn a lot about Faye's backstory. I don't know if we'll have any more for Edward. I can't remember, but we still don't know who Edward's parents were or anything, how she became a hacker and all that. We don't know any of that. I think it's funny how Edward, the youngest of the group knew exactly what a beta tape was though. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but Edward's also the techie one. So, you know, she, mm-hmm. you figure she, she does nothing but spend all her time on the internet and stuff like that. So she probably knows all sorts of obscure crap. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I I really have enjoyed it. 
so far. It's been very entertaining. I love the animation. I like the sense of humor and the storyline. It, you know, keeps me interested, which is a lot for kind of an ADD Gemini like me. <laughs> and the music is great. Yes. It spans all these different genres and like the music is just amazing, mm -hmm. especially because I am not a fan of anime music in general. Most anime have like that one song that's sung by an idol singer. You know, it's usually during the closing credits. Even this show has it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's like all it's known for. That's the song and it's its own genre but this one has rock and jazz and vocal standards and it's got ska and all these different kinds of music blues and you know even the name cowboy bebop has music right in its title right <laughs> i'm looking forward to session five so we will be back soon until then be sure to like subscribe or follow depending on what platform you're using tell somebody else about the podcast we really need to spread the word get more listeners it's the only way we can be found right now we don't do a lot of web promotion we don't have any sponsors we don't have any of that stuff so it's pretty much word of mouth so let somebody else know about the podcast that's the one way you can help us and if you want to talk to us directly you can email us at GC8 podcast. That's letter G, letter C, number eight podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, this is Eric. This is Rosie.